Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 496, Veterans Day, November 11th, 2020. It was 64 degrees on this day in 2005 and one below in 1986. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushiman. Are we joined by Peter Michael Nigerian? He's on the line. <laughs> Pete, I'm worried about you. <laughs> hey, look, you're the mayor. I mean, you know, they, I know we're going to jump right into it, but hey, hey let's start right there. <laughs> you are you are contemplating, Peter, of course, uh, son of Dr. John, the late Dr. John, a great man, and uh, Pete creating his own life as an options trader following a football career with the Gophers and the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Minnesota Vikings and a local bon vivant and got hair at least as interesting as Jesse Ventura. Come on. And... and, and, and <laughs> And Pete, you're contemplating. You're contemplating. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're contemplating a run for governor. Well, it's it's an interesting story, Joe. To be honest with you, this total. And by the way, if indeed I actually get far enough along in this whole process uh, to be somewhere close, it will be the Garage Logic governorship. See, for sure, there's no doubt. I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> um, and that's that is true. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. You know, a, a lot of things have happened over the last five or six years uh, in my life. One was selling a business and then um, restarting up a very similar competitive business once the non-competes were gone. Um, but then all of a sudden I decided, you know, because of uh, certain circumstances in my personal life to move back to Minnesota from Connecticut. And when I did that, uh, immediately I was being asked about would I have interest ever in the athletic director's job? because that was an available thing. And uh, I said, you know what, I don't think I'd ever want to do it anywhere else in the world, but I would definitely do it at the University of Minnesota. It's my school. It's My, my, my father spent the majority of his career here. And, um, and I thought, you know what, I, I see what some of the issues are, and I think that I can help, help along the way and, and maybe do some things to, uh, to create the program into something a lot different than where it was at the time. And uh, they didn't select me, which is okay. I think Mark Coyle's done a, a great job. But uh, then not, not too long after that, Joe, I was actually uh, recommended by somebody, and I don't even know to this day who, but for the University of Minnesota's presidential um, uh, spot that was open as well. And, you know, I started looking into that a little bit more and more, and I had some interest, and they were, I was getting pushed by a few different people about that whole thing. But uh, I realized how much politics were involved with that, um, but I still pursued it um, because if, if somebody was really that uh, interested in having me, one of the regents, um, then I, I wanted to at least explore it a little bit more. And, you know, uh, that didn't come through either. Um, but I was but I did submit all of my, you know, my uh, everything about myself to them and everything that they wanted to know about me. And so that was an interesting process as well. But I bring all that up because then it wasn't too long after that, just a, a year or so ago, where I was getting called while my daughter was graduating from college in Nebraska. Um, and I won't say who it was, but it was uh, it was more than one person. It was a full committee 
just basically reaching out and asking me would I ever be in in, in politics in Minnesota. Um, it was never something I ever even considered. I said, you know, I'm flattered you're reaching out. I'm really not sure I'm the right guy. And then I asked him the, the of course, the, the most important question, have you ever seen me? <laughs> because and joe that brings me over to a different thing that we got to hit on so i got to bring it up to you right now so it's just about two years ago i'm sitting over there i think over at kstp yep. you guys were doing the, the wonderful garage logic show that i absolutely live for day in and day out and you had the whole gang you know it's just amazing how many people were involved inside the garage and uh i was I, I was asked to be on that day and and you know the, i know i know the studios pretty well so i i walked away i made my way through the building and, and found myself and i was sitting outside the studio and yeah. and i was sitting out there and in my typical pete nigerian wear which is uh pretty crazy stuff because i have a flair for um uh, somebody who probably looks oftentimes like maybe he should belong on the streets i don't let's know. say <laughs> let's say pete it was an informal look it was an informal look, and you came walking out of the studio for a break, and I don't know if you're going for a coffee or whatever you're going for, but you walked past me. You walked literally right past me, mm-hmm. and, and I said hello, and you kind of gave me a real funny look, and then you, you, kept, on, you, you kept on your way, and then you went back in the studio, and I'm sitting out there just going, oh, well, Joe wasn't all that friendly to me, but that's all right. You know, no. it's all good. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> but the best part was then you had another break and you were coming back out there and you you literally looked me straight in the eyes and you go, I called security. I had no idea who you were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You looked like some vagrant who just came off the street. <laughs> yeah. uh, Pete, I, I don't mind I, telling you, I checked uh, I checked my magazine to make sure I was ready for you. Uh, you uh, yeah. <laughs> Pete, I got to tell you why I'm worried, though. Oh, okay. Well, you're never you're, you're always so down. You're always just you're you're not you're not upbeat enough. You don't have the personality. You're not gregarious. Uh, I I just don't see how you could handle the campaign run given your personality. Yeah, well, you're right. It it, it does that that's going to be an impediment for sure, but uh <laughs> but I'd still be willing to try it. Uh I'll tell you what, it would be it's really interesting, Joe, and, and, you know, with what's going on with Amy Klobuchar and all the rest of it, obviously the, there's something there that could even open up at some point. And I don't say that as a guy who's actually looking to go into politics. I love what I do, man. I, I, I'm able to look the way I look, do what I want to do, dress the way I want to dress, and be the person who I am based upon the fact that I am entrepreneurial and, uh, and, I, and I'm fortunate enough to, to have been lucky to, to literally be on uh, – channel financial tv for quite a long time since 2007 and and i still enjoy it it's fun and it and it, it also that's really not my real job my real job job is still being a trader and, and mm-hmm. a guy who's really active in the stock market so and i love it and you know it, it's funny because it doesn't matter who's it who's in the presidential role who's in this role who's in that role we trade what we trade i've been doing this since 1992 so you can imagine I've gone through the Clinton years, the, the Bush years. I mean, you name it. Uh, we've traded through it, and and it's fun, and I and I love the challenge. It's almost like sports. It's almost like football, where every day you wake up excited for the day because you don't know what exactly might transpire, but hopefully you've prepared and hopefully you're ready for whatever's in front of you. And 
And I think that's part of why I stay fairly positive is, uh, you know, I, I enjoy I, I enjoy the moment, and the moment happens a lot. There are a lot of moments in a trading day, and I, and I really do enjoy it. Pete, your candidacy would be so interesting and so refreshing. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It just uh, right. you, you would run as an independent, I take it. That's, that is right, yes. Uh-huh. And and the message you have uh, uh, would start with complete optimism for life in general, and I I just I just think that would be refreshing as hell to have a guy who doesn't look at the world and see nothing but hysteria. You look at the world and see nothing but opportunity. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I, and and you know what? Uh, I think that's only because that that's the way I think we should look at it. And and I think even in the political realm, that's. It makes sense. I, I think there's a lot of great things out there. I think the, that Minnesota generally has been run fairly well, Joe, um, in, the, in the overall scheme of things. When you look across the country and you see all these different states and cities that have uh, unbelievable balance sheets. Uh, and some guy said to me the other day on Twitter, of course, uh, you know, there's a lot of haters out there in the world. And I'm mm-hmm. on social media, so I see them. Um, and I don't get as many as probably most people would think, but there's a lot of, there's, there's haters out there that come after me as well. And some guy said to me, he goes, you know, you have absolutely no qualifications and this has nothing to do with finance, what you'd be doing. And that was, and my answer back was, uh, well, you're part right. Uh, you know, (laughs) um, but the reality is, I think if you don't think financial, uh, is, is any sort of a piece of the puzzle here, then you're wrong. And, and that's the problem is. People have never viewed that, and and that's why we've got literally cities all around the country, and quite honestly, states that are absolutely broke, and and they they are broken. Whether or not you want to talk about the whole state of Illinois or the city of Chicago, or you want to go out to California and and look at what's going on out there, there are major problems around this country right now, and I don't think people are addressing that. And a lot of it has to do with the financial side of things, and. Oh. So it is a big piece of it, Joe, and I think that's something where I can shine there, and hopefully I could be somebody. And I'm not running, by the way, but I'm just thinking this through that uh, you know what what I see in front of me would be um, that that finance is a big part of what what people have to understand about running a state or running you know the country for that matter. Oh my God, we've been lamenting, no, no, I... huh? <laughs> We've been lament- we've been lamenting all summer the the absence of any financial knowledge among uh, Minneapolis City Council members, for example, uh, or the mayor. Uh, we we keep attracting to the political class people who have no background in business and and law and finance. And I, I think I think that to get a grip on finance and and approach it with tremendous discipline would just be a, a, a great shot in the arm for a state. I sure, I, I sure think so. I agree with you, and I think that's really important, and I don't think enough folks really um, understand that. You know, one of the most disappointing things that I heard when we were going through all of the issues with George Floyd and the social issues that were occurring at that time um, was, was just listening to uh, how people wanted to approach it and the fact that they wanted to say, well, you know, we don't need the police anymore and all the rest of this craziness that was going on. Um, and this isn't a political statement. It's just a statement about uh, the, the reaction. I was listening on a different station, a different AM station here locally in Minnesota, to a conversation with somebody who sits um, in the Minneapolis City Council, and they said, well, okay, well, uh, if you're going to vote this away, what, what is the plan? And the answer back was nothing. 
Right. There is no plan. How, how can you have no plan? I mean, I'm I'm all in on, hey, you know what? You're, you're angry about the police. You're angry about this. And I understand uh, the anger and everything else. But you still have to have a plan. You can't mm-hmm. just say, "Well, we're just we're just not going to have them, and then we'll figure it out." That's not a plan. That's a really bad plan. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I think that part really stunned me when I when I heard this coming from one of the council. As a matter of fact, I think it was the lead from the Minneapolis City Council, and I just I was just thrown off. It's just absolutely amazing. But those are the kinds mm-hmm. of things that cannot happen, and those are the kinds of things that need to be addressed for sure. And and again. I'm not running Joe for anything right now. Yes, you <laughs> but, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're you making are. you. We're making no, you. You're, you're running. You're running. <laughs> you're running, and uh, I'm going to work for your campaign starting uh, right now, actually. <laughs> right right now. Now, let's remember, I'm the same guy who was sitting out there in the hallway when Joe walked. That's okay. We can work with that. We All, is All is forgiven. All is forgiven. Well, Pete, I had not, you know, I, I don't think I covered you. Uh, as a as a golfer, I think I was done being a sports writer by the time you were playing with the Gophers. So I had, I had not previously met you until that yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I do have a colorful uh, side to me. There's no doubt about it. I don't have feather boas like previous governors, but I, I've got a lot of different things. I got a lot of hats. I got a lot a lot of knit hats. I got some baseball caps. I got a lot of a lot of different things. It, it, but. Uh, but yeah, I definitely uh, I I am who I am, kind of a thing. I'm not being Popeye, but you know, it's you get what you get when you see who I am, and uh, and I mm-hmm. and I try to think through things with with a garage logic to to how I do it, which, what, what, which I think what, makes a lot of sense. Matter of fact, I had my garage logic. I was out in my garage four thirty this morning. I was getting on my John Deere and I was snow blowing the driveway. I mean, that a boy. You know, that's garage logic. That is. That is. <laughs> What, uh, where do your current plans stand? Where, where, where are you? Are you still in a very preliminary situation? Oh, very, not even preliminary, Joe. I, honestly, I, I, I really fully appreciate, uh, how many people actually immediately when they, when they heard that I, I'd even brought this up, uh, and it had been brought up to me, um, it's amazing how much wonderful support and how many uh, people are out there and, and how few haters were actually out there. And I'm sure they're there. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's nowhere right now, Joe. It would be something of interest. And I've, I've been talked. It's been, you know, people have approached me now for the past two and a half or three years. And um, we'll see how it, how it goes or where it goes from here. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things. There's a lot of good qualified people out there, I think. And, uh you know, if the possibility, if, if I sell my company and, and things are moving in a different direction um, that that opens this up, it certainly would be something that I'd have to consider. I will say it that, that way. How, how, how would you, that's a tough question, how would you heal this country's great divide? We are so divided, it's pathetic. Yeah, you're right. And I don't know that there's some magic pill. There really isn't. Uh, but I think the reality is, uh, you know, here, here. I sort of am that guy who is in that independent sort of an area, right, Joe? I mean, the mm-hmm. reality is I grew up with a family that did have some money. Not not gobs of money, but my father was a transplant surgeon and a wonderful guy, and we lived right off of Lake Harriet. So you'd say, well, this guy's, you know, he's really privileged. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, not really. You don't really know who my father is and my mother and how they raised us, and both of them grew up in the Depression. So... They were savers, and they took care of things, and they were never uh, uh, people that, that lived way beyond any kind of means um, because that's just who they were. And we also went – I went to Bryant Junior High. I went to Central High School. 
right near, right, you know, literally George Floyd's uh, uh, situation happened right down the street from my mm-hmm. high school. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, and I went to school there. I love those people. I'm still friends with all, uh, so many people. As a matter of fact, I'm not a big Facebook guy. I don't get into that side of the social media all that much. But if you're a friend of mine, you probably went to either Central or the University of Minnesota, or I probably don't have you as a friend on Facebook. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I'm not one of these people who stretches out and has to be friends with every single person in the world that I'm not really friends with. I think the whole expression of friends is absolutely ridiculous with Facebook. Thank but, you. But Thank you. you know, I but, but I do love uh, I I love my central folks and I, and I love a lot of the players that I played with at the University of Minnesota that came from all over the country and you know I I think the exposure to people from all walks of life is something that I uh, I cherish and it's who I am and I understand where they're coming from uh, whether or not they came from a background similar to me or they came from a background where they had no money whatsoever they didn't have a suit when they got to the University of Minnesota and. Uh, you know they were scraping along. They did have a scholarship, but they didn't have any. They didn't have a dime in their pocket. I, those were my friends. Those are the guys who had actually. You know, oftentimes I lived with those guys during my four years at the University of Minnesota. So, I see. I have seen a lot of both sides, and I don't think a lot of people who are in a position in in government have either. They grew up with money, like so many of them did, or uh, you know they've come and they've they've clawed and they've gotten themselves up to where they are to get to this position, but. You know, I can see both sides very, very easily, and I think that uh, that makes it a little bit easier maybe to appeal to both uh, both sides of this divide. Hey, Pete, this is Reavers, and uh, I'm not yeah. uh, sure if you're aware of the history of Garage Logic's batting average when it comes to candidates, but one of our frequent uh, oh. emailers oh. Oh. chimes in and says, Pete Nigerian's coming on the show today. Do, don't you want him to win? Uh, we had a we had an 0 for five streak running into this uh, latest election. Yeah, yeah. once if it's official, run, once yeah, it's never, official that you're uh, running, you can't be on the show again. Yeah, yeah. you're no longer allowed. <laughs> on I the can't air. run, man. I'd I'd rather be on the show with you guys. I mean, it is what I've been listening to Garage Watch forever. I go back to Monday Night Sports Talk with you guys. I mean, I've been around for a long, long time. Riding with my dad from football practice back to our cabin in Wisconsin and listening to you guys go at it. All the questioners uh, coming in and all that stuff. I mean, I I have been around for a long, long time. <laughs> Pete, I'd rather Pete, be with you guys. <laughs> Pete, it's it's uh, it's interesting. You you could have gone to high school anywhere you wanted. Uh, was going to Central a, a family decision? Yeah, uh, you know they were, when we moved from from California, Joe, um, in the late or. I guess middle seventies or whatever it was. Uh, and we came to Minnesota. One of the things they were having the busing going on. And, uh, as they were doing that, well, I had three high schools very close to us, closer than central, but because of busing, that's where, where we were going to go. And, and I've told this story many times, but it's, it's the reality. I'll never forget mom and dad sitting in our house and all the parents from around our neighborhood, uh, saying, Hey, look, are you going to send your kids over to central? Really? Are you going to let them go there? And all the rest of it, my dad, my dad listened to all the other parents for about an hour sitting in our living room in our house. And finally he stood up. He goes, I don't know about the rest of you clowns, but my kids are going to damn Central High School. Dad went to Oakland High, uh, grew up in Oakland, went to Oakland High. It was, it was rough then. It's still rough. It's been rough since the, you know, the early parts of the, the 1900s. It's been a rough high school. But um, then he went to Berkeley and, you know, dad seemed to come out fine, and I think he looked at it as, hey, look, 
wherever you go, you go. You're going to meet friends. You're going to have some good people, some bad people, some drug dealers, whatever they are. You know, got all kinds of things in every high school. Even the really wealthy ones, there's there's drugs there too, folks. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, it's it's about choices and making decisions. And and I think uh, I think Dad made great choices and decisions for us in in terms of that. And and even including after that, you know, when I was getting recruited around the country for football, he sat in on every single coach's conversation with me to hear what they had to say and were these guys just there because I could play football or did they, they were they there because they cared about me as a person that was going to get a degree that hopefully would lead to med school back then, but, uh, but not just football. So dad, dad was a huge, and mom, a huge part of a lot of the decisions that went into uh, everything that started in junior high and all the way through. I knew your dad, and I might have asked him this once, but I don't know how he accomplished what he did with the size of those hands. <laughs> it's so true, Joe. Uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, the real story behind Dad on top of everything else, and yes, he had the biggest hands I've ever seen. Uh, and I always use the, the example of what, in front of the United Center, Michael Jordan's got his hand print in front of there. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people like to go up and put their hand and see how big his hand is. Dad dwarfed Michael Jordan's hand. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, he made Michael Jordan's hand look like he's a five-year-old. Uh, oh, my word. But, you know, it's just, and Dad had a size 15 foot. I mean, he was a big human being, and then, you know, and, and yet, uh, you know, this amazingly accomplished doctor. But he even told me early on in his career, before uh, before he actually kind of made it, he was still, you know, going through med school and then residency. Um, he couldn't fit his hands into the gloves that they used for surgery. And mm-hmm. the problem he had was, uh, you know, later on in life, it's great. He had all his gloves were custom made for him, but. Until then, his hands would go numb in surgery because he had the biggest gloves they had, oh. but it would squeeze his hands so hard that they'd go numb, and he'd have to walk out, take the gloves off, put on a new pair of gloves, sort of shake out his hands and get back into the surgery room um, until the day came where he did get all his custom gloves made because that's how big his hands really are. Good Lord. <laughs> what time yeah. do you have to record Fast Money today on CNBC? Uh, the good we- news is I'm off today. I was busy yesterday. I did I did the halftime report and the five o'clock fast money show yesterday. And you know, with the pandemic, things have kind of moved around. But I'm uh, I'm actually filming for a, a big, wonderful charity auction later on this afternoon or, or early afternoon today. So that's going to be something that's going to be fun. It's that fashion fest. That was Joe's uh, way of trying to get some free tips from you, Pete. That's why he suggested that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. I'll give you anything you want, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> The market, I'll tell you what, guys, the markets have been absolutely on fire. We had a bad week two weeks ago. We had a great week last week. And then this week has been just uh, like like nothing I've ever seen before. So a lot of the nervousness is coming out of the markets right now. And uh, it's impressive to see the NASDAQ running, the Dow running, the S&P running, and a lot of different companies that are doing much better than you would have ever expected. It, if, as we look back now from about six months ago, facing this ugly pandemic, things have really changed rapidly, and a lot of companies changed with that, and they've done an unbelievable job, and we're seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of really great earnings through this, this earnings season right now as well. Pete, Pete, all I can tell you is, man, what a, what a refreshment it would be to see you run and, and uh, <laughs> succeed, I just think. Again, I'm worried about your personality not being able to handle it, but... but <laughs> But beyond that, I think you'd be just fabulous, just fabulous. I, I hope well, you strongly consider it. 
I really appreciate you guys are the best. You've always been friends of mine and the family, and my dad thought the world of you guys, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's always fun. I'm telling you, we lived the life of garage logic, even though on Lake Harriet back in the day. And I, and I still do to this day. I mean, I, I spent the better part of the morning out there screwing around with this damn John Deere. The thing wasn't, it was getting clogged up and I was having to deal with all that. And, <laughs> and I, it, it's just, you know what, it's part of, part of who I am. And you guys have always been great friends. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Pete. And best of luck. We will be in touch, even though our record isn't too good with political candidates. <laughs> Maybe I can break that record and make it. That's bit what better. I'm rooting for. You'll <laughs> break the record. Thanks, all Pete. Right, guys, have a great one, man. Thanks. Thank you. See you. Pete Nigerian. If after you hear that, Hold how on. could you not want him to run? Here's today's ray of hope. How could yeah. you not want him? A guy like that. I think he's about fifty-six years old. Minnesotan. Yep. Joe, he's the center we've been looking for. He's the center oh, we've Kenny, been looking you for. It. You nailed it, Kenny. Well, so so was Lacey and Kendall, uh, but they had they were running as uh, partisan members. Here, here's Pete, who would take a cue from his buddy Jesse mm-hmm. and run as an independent, mm-hmm. with bringing to the government a sense of fiduciary knowledge and responsibility. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine Pete saying, "Look, you people can't spend ten million dollars. You don't have it. You have one." <laughs> Yeah, right. But I think he'd I think he'd effectively bring both sides together, and I, I I think he'd I mean very effectively. I think he'd be really good at bringing us back together. Wow, I just enjoy the hell out of that guy, and uh, I just think that would just be so. I think he is so effervescent that you're right. He can bring he can bring anybody together. He's one of those guys. He's impossible not to like. Yeah. I am worried though. He's a little down, and, yeah, right, and he, right. he doesn't he doesn't spark up enough, you know. And he's a health nut, you know. He's he's Mister Grapefruit and Oatmeal in the morning every day. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I like grapefruit and oatmeal. But you? did you know? You I know do. something about a grapefruit. Oh, okay. Well, you got to be very go. careful if you eat grapefruit, pending what medications you are taking in your life. I read a long, long piece about grapefruit. And how it interacts with various medications. Well, I, Chris, I'm curious about things like that. And and well, you really, I'm very you? serious. I'm very serious. Depending mm. on what kind of medications you take, grapefruit can really, really have a, 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 a effect that you don't want, and you have to really, okay. you have to search that out. I'll have to I'll have to read up on that. I'm not taking much, so I can eat grapefruit. There you but go. if you if you're taking medications, grapefruit's a very interesting thing for you to understand. Mm. I don't know why it affects people, but uh, I did read all the research and didn't retain much of what I read. But So there you are. We'll make sure to include that in the show notes. That's right. My bike gets picked up tonight. Really? My scooter gets picked up uh, by Tim Bloom from EcoFun. He runs that service where he's going to take it back to his shop in Forest Lake at EcoFun Motorsports, and he's going to store it for me over the winter, and uh, then tune it up in the spring, 229 bucks. I get the full spring tune-up, the wow. battery maintenance, and the storage. And I, I make room in my garage this winter, which I desperately need, and he makes these runs after business hours. So he's uh, I'm on his list for tonight, and off goes my uh, Yamaha uh, S-Max out to EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake, and Tim Bloom and his people will take care of it. Also a great sale now on 
uh, year-end sale on all the e-bikes at EcoFun Motorsports, including the fat tire Bintelli bikes, which are great for off-road even in the winter. They can add studded tires. All remaining wild-side, old-school-looking electric bikes are on year-end sale for $14.99. All Yamaha electric bikes on year-end sale. Uh, 2021 Yamaha snowmobiles and ATVs uh, in stock. I, maybe the snowmobiles are already gone, but or the ATVs are already gone, but he'll get more uh, because people love this place, and uh, when he gets in inventory, out it goes. This is EcoFun Motorsports. Where else? It's on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. University of Garage Logic 98. College of Self-Esteem. Zip. Nada. Nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Here's Reavers for Harmony Spirits. You know, one thing I have been neglecting to mention is that Harmony Spirits products, you know, they're handcrafted in Harmony, Minnesota, of course, but they are grain to glass. That's how handcrafted quality we're talking about here at Harmony Spirits. Uh, they go, uh, the, the other part, too, that I wanted to mention, uh, Andy, Jim, and Larry, they do an incredible job uh, of the well-balanced, smooth spirits right there made in Harmony, Minnesota. I am, I'm not kidding you, Joe. This barrel-aged bourbon is incredible, and I have mm-hmm. to find a way to get some more. The problem is they had a limited run on that, so... I gotta make a call to a guy. That's what I gotta do. HarmonySpirits.net is their website. Check out the hours of that beautiful tasting room down in Harmony, Minnesota. They also have a really cool Twitter account that uh, updates you on upcoming events and tastings, whether here in the Twin Cities or all throughout the great state of Minnesota at Harmony Spirits. Stop in, let them know that you heard about it right here on the Garage Logic Podcast. Attention, Fifth Congressional District. How's my voice right now? Very good. All right. Silky and smooth. I had to bend that microphone. There you go. Ilhan Omar Pater, husband's political consultancy. This is according to the Daily Mail. Ilhan Omar Pater, husband's political consultancy firm, $2.8 million during the 2019-2020 election cycle campaign finance record show. The Democrat congresswoman handed husband Tim Minette's E Street Group $1.6 million between 2019 and July 22nd this year, another $1.1 million between July 22nd and the end of September, and has paid an additional $27,000 since then. The majority of the money has been spent on digital advertising, FEC records show, but charges also include consultancy fees and more than $2,700 in travel expenses. Oh, does anybody care that this woman is not on the up and up? No, two lar- the two large no. the two largest payments in recent months were four hundred and four thousand three hundred and thirty eight dollars and seventy five cents paid on July seven for digital advertising and another two hundred and eighty nine thousand seven hundred and fifty nine dollars on july twenty four for cable advertising uh, between the start of july and mid october the latest date that records are available Omar has paid e street group a total of eighty six thousand five hundred for consulting and fundraising consulting uh Minette began working for Omar during the 2018 election. Uh, the two began an affair during this time. It is not known when Omar and Minette, who were both married at the time, began the relationship. However, uh, I don't want to go into this. Uh, this is this woman is a mess. This woman is a this woman is a traffic she's accident. Criminal. It's just a she's just a traffic accident. And you saps in the fifth congressional district. Well, you know what? You're not saps. You're just not. You just don't know what you're doing. 
you, you don't you don't know what you're getting with her. Uh, you see in her a woman who looks like you, uh, who has the same faith as you, uh, who is uh, appealing to you, and you you don't understand that she isn't necessarily interested in representing you. She's very interested in advancing her own personal cause and apparently, maybe, allegedly, her own personal net worth. Joe, I don't know. How is this is legal? She laundering money legally? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is this legal? I mean, she's taking money out of her left pocket and putting it in her right pocket. Mm-hmm. Don't give me this, her husband's firm BS. Anybody that's married knows it's not, Joe, it's not your money. It's our money. It's our money. money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's mm-hmm. how marriage works. And this, this Daily Mail piece goes into a long uh, analysis of whether she, in fact, once married her brother and all that. We seem to have been through that. Uh, but the point is, I guess if you're in the 5th Congressional District and you sent her five bucks, it's, it's, it's back in her husband's pocket, however, allegedly. Uh, I'm not reading anything that's suggesting illegality here. But how how is that not illegal? I guess is my question. You can can you steal your own campaign or steal? Sorry, can you lend yourself your own campaign funds? Well, I guess if your husband's your uh, your uh, public relations slash advertising director, I guess that's who you're going to pay. Wow, is that something? I, you know, and, and the thing is, I know I brought this up yesterday or the day before, but I still go back to that video, and I still believe that that's exactly how she got elected in the first place. Well, that that video uh, could that video cannot possibly account for the, for the overwhelming number of votes she got. You couldn't you couldn't you couldn't corrupt that many ballots. She got elected because I said before she looks like the people of her district. She sounds like the people of her district. She is of the same faith as the people of her district. Uh, she has the immigrant status of the people of her district, and they find in her she's very appealing. They're, they just don't know what they're getting, that's all. Mm-hmm. They're being hoodwinked. And she'll be the first to cry about income inequality in this country along with the rest of the members of the squad, uh, forgetting the fact that, that she's uh, making more money, apparently, or her husband is making more money than... Well, he's in the top 1%. He's a one percenter, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And and it's just a shame that the people of the 5th Congressional District don't really have the means or the wherewithal, or maybe even the interest, to consider what they have done here, providing her her second overwhelming victory. Passing up a real guy who lived in North Minneapolis all his life, raised his family there like Pete and Jerry, and probably sent his kids to public schools, uh, made his own way in life, entrepreneur and uh he was passed by in favor of this this woman whose appeal uh, apparently to her constituency is very charismatic and not i don't know if i'm buying your sounds like looks like uh line joe okay uh she i think she does to a very small percentage of uh minneapolis citizens but uh, i think by and large it's it's all it's whites and black and Hispanic and Mexican and everybody. Well, that will explain I, I, her I, overwhelming victories. Uh, They're amazing. It's, it's the left and their attitude that they'll pick a woman and an immigrant and a criminal over mm-hmm. anybody else far more qualified. And do you think mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a vote out of guilt in some way, Kenny? 
I can't speculate. I don't know. Okay. As it's in, just, as in, you know, I'm the, uh, I'm the white suburban mom living in that district, and I, I'll feel better about myself if I vote for her. But she hasn't done anything. Right. For she's us. accomplished nothing. And Lace, oh, Lacey could have done so much, so much. Kelsey just notes Pete Nigerian coming on the show. Really? Do you want him to lose that badly? Didn't I? Um, didn't I read that when we had Pete on? Did you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, remember I mentioned that? Well, it's kind of a joke, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Oh, where's, we my hope. Sc- where's my scan bucket coin? We uh, hope it's a joke. <laughs> Hold on. Tensions between the Minneapolis... Yeah, that's for me, I guess. It's rare that I get to do that. Well, you can stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would love to have on, and I'm sure that he won't, uh, Minneapolis Council Member Steve Fletcher. Oh, boy. You saw uh, that, too. Huh? Oh, that was the, he was the one in the video last night? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I would like to ask Fletcher is, uh, at 2.30 this afternoon, Steve, you pull over your car at 38th and uh, Nicollet. Because uh, you want to make a, you want to text somebody, so you pull your car over, and the next thing you know, you're dragged out of your car, you're pummeled, and your car is taken from you. Why is that the fault of the police? How? Yeah. Were, no, better a better question. How are the police supposed to prevent that? Do you want them following you personally around? There's a great contrachamps now in the Minneapolis City Council. The chief. Uh, 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 Arredondo, Madaria Arredondo, is is said with a lot of can- uh, he's very candid. He said, yeah. "We're hemorrhaging right now. We're hemorrhaging cops. The city is bleeding. I'm trying to do the best. I want to bring in other people, and I need some money to do it." And Henderson says, "Well, so we're going to take a thing that has not been working very well, meaning the police, and has not been addressing carjackings." has not been addressing the rise in violent crime. And say if we just do 5% more of it, meaning more police, that will get us to a better place. I'm struggling to get my head around why that is a good idea, Fletcher said. How dumb is this Fletcher guy? Very dumb. How stupid is this moron? Extremely. Fletcher, how is it a policeman's fault that you got carjacked? As a matter of fact, Joe, I don't think... What's the word? Um, obtuse? I think he's being dumb on purpose. I think he knows That's obtuse. damn good and well why this is happening. I think he's being obtuse on purpose. Well, just like what Pete said earlier in the show, they don't have a plan. They don't know what to do, and this is their only reaction is to blame cops. this is cops. all in relation to uh, putting together a budget, you know, and so the chief's in there, you know, laying it down and telling them what we need. And, boy, his <coughs> answer to that his answer to that Perfect question— job was a wonderful balanced and steady mm-hmm. and not angry but brutally honest you incompetent fools set the table for this rise in crime by your knee-jerk reaction to defund the police condemn the police make the police scapegoats for crime in the city two weeks after the death of george floyd the city council members were in powderhorn park this is happening by the way i have another story about this this is happening all around 
the country where you get closest to the country's tallest buildings. You activists in the salon who have no knowledge of the real world, playing to your constituency, said the police are vile, we must change the way we have public safety, and now you fools are wondering where the police are and why they're not stopping carjackings. What the hell do you want them to do, Fletcher? You've demeaned them. And now you're telling me, you're telling your constituents that you can't get your head around the idea why uh, Arredondo needs more money for more police. Well, because 121 cops are on leave right now for a variety of reasons stemming from the behavior of the politicians in Minneapolis. Can I make that any clearer? Who in the hell would want to be a cop in Minneapolis when you've got a moron like Steve Fletcher saying quotes like this? Yeah. What does he expect? And you know what, you boys? I had a, a, a thought when I was driving into work today, glancing at downtown through my window, wondering, all right, so after listening to Walls yesterday in his press conference, most bars and restaurants just simply aren't going to make it financially, nope. right? They're just going to nope. go under. And nope. then people are already not working downtown. They're all working from home. What is downtown going to look like, say, in about February? Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty vacant, it's I'm afraid. All, it's already a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to keep in mind that many people who work from home... Let's explain why I'm back at home, by the way. Okay. Because uh, 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 in our Garage Logic family, uh, a Reaver's child was exposed in school, but the Reaver's child is absolutely fine. Yep, he's good to go. And he tested negative. Uh, but Chris has to get a test. Uh, because he was exposed to his child. And once Chris tests negative, I'm right back in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm stopping on my way home today, and I should have my results in the morning. Are we using the uh, the term abundance of caution? I guess I, we are. I thought you hated that one. I do, but that's what, we're, that's okay. what I'm demonstrating, obviously, is an abundance of caution. In Wisconsin, the governor, uh, Evers, is telling everyone to stay home. Really? The surge is so critical in wisconsin that he's telling everyone to stay home i purposely i purposely did not ask pete it's way too early in his uh, planning if he even is going to consider running it would have been unfair to ask him this Uh, but i wanted to ask him and purposely did not how how do you think walls is handling COVID? and i I just let that one go because that was a good call I, i just don't think that pete would have had a thorough enough answer yet i doubt if he's thought about how we would handle every single thing that would come up as governor but i'm 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 heartened to know that there are people in town who a wanted him for athletic director b wanted him for the president of the university of minnesota and now c without telling us who is uh, prodding him he has people saying i think you should explore the governorship so i i hope he continues yeah. to what I did you make to. what did you make of um of uh, governor walls's comments yesterday in his press conference Regarding what? Well, COVID. I listened. I listened to the press conference. I did too. Uh, what do you want? I I continue to think that he's struggling with this and doesn't really know what to do. And uh, so you're going to close bars at ten, mm-hmm. and you're going to have no bar service per se. You can't sit in a chair at the bar. Uh, I feel bad for the bars and restaurants, but that one I I get. I get that because what's happening is the the dumb dumbs, the eighteen to thirty year old dummies, aren't really taking it serious. So I I do get that, but the school part is what's driving me insane. Did you see the note in your paper today, by the way? No. 
Well, I'm did, but what note? Five weeks into distance learning this fall, St. Paul High School students were failing 39% of their classes. I did read that. 39% are failing. Distance learning is, is never going to work. It's not. It's going to work with the very, very rare disciplined students with hawkish parents. Right. Then it'll work. But across the board, white kids, black kids, brown kids, what you name it, not all of them have hawkish, disciplined parents who are going to watch them. Well, and not to mention, you know, some of these parents, they don't have the option of being home with their kids, and they might be older, and they're, they're fine staying at home by themselves, but they have to, you know, put food on their family. they got to go out and work. Yep, yeah, hawkish or not, that's a major f- factor right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't think Governor Walls is factoring that part of it in. I, I really don't think he is. I'll tell you what I would do, though. I, if I had a daughter getting married, I'd really, I'd play COVID to my advantage. What do you mean? I'd say, why don't you, let's, let's make a date right now on about December 15th. Why don't you get married? <laughs> that 25 gonna, people. That's 25 it's people. Cost it costs you 100 you bucks. <laughs> cost you nothing. <laughs> Bring in some Arby's, get a karaoke guy, and boom, you're done. Get him some Arby's. Spoken like yeah. a man with daughters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you know what you could do? Uh, 25 people, right? That's the limit? Yeah. yeah. Everyone gets a meatloaf. Everyone, you know, that's that, what you could do. That would be affordable. You go to Grunhofer's, <laughs> get him a meatloaf. 25 people. You get a big room, put 25 people in, you're going to save yourself a fortune. Oh, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> uh, getting back to uh, Arredondo who laid it on the line. Arredondo pushed back hard against Fletcher, saying 74 people have been killed and nearly 500 shot and wounded in Minneapolis this year. And these morons like Fletcher think that's the police's fault. He's not capable of acknowledging personal behavior and moral and ethical integrity. That's not in his purview. The, The people in the salon have no grasp of what's happening on the street. None. Well, now, why? What are his motives? I, I firmly believe that he is being obtuse. What are his motives for doing that? Does uh, he believe he's, he's that, placing that, blame? He's 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 uh, passing the buck. Is what he's doing. And, and does he believe that his constituents, the people of his district, believe what he's saying? Is, Look is him he up, playing, Who does is he, he playing to them? Yep. Let me do that right now. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, he's playing to the salon. He's playing to the mystery. What's his name? Paul Fletcher? No, wait, that's, Steve. The, that's Steve. the city's 97 guy. Sorry, Paul. So, so, so Fletcher tells uh, <laughs> the cop this, Chief, Chief Arredondo. He says, look, uh, why should we give you more money? People are still getting carjacked. Well, Arredondo fights back. He says, we can go back and forth on the $185 million, meaning the police budget, but that is not stopping the bloodshed that is occurring every day in our city. The chief told uh, Fletcher that if he has a better idea, he should share it. If you choose to say no to these victims of crime, then please stand up to that, Arredondo said. I think Arredondo wanted to go over and punch the creep. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's Ward 3, by the way. Well, where's that? That is St. Anthony West, Sheridan, St. Anthony East, Beltrami, uh, North Loop, Downtown West, Downtown East. He's right in the heart of where he's everything... The heart of, he's in the heart of the salon. He's a salon dweller. I meant he's in the heart of where everything is going wrong right, right now. Right, right. But Fletcher... Because a, a lady gets carjacked at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that's not the police's fault. That's the fault of feral youth who have you, you, you have inadvertently endorsed by calling for the end of policing. And now when crime goes up, all you frauds are wondering where the police are. 
You're just incompetent. You all should be gone. It's just a shame. It's a once great city is just falling into horrible disrepair. Hey, uh, it really is. On his uh, on his government uh, page, Joe, it's got you know schedule of events. He's going to have a virtual coffee tomorrow at five. Do you want me to sign you up? No. Does it say what he ever did for a living? Uh, this is on his. Uh, let me look him up. That's that's just his page here. Let me see what his uh, background is. If I can find it on his campaign endorsements, join us. Da, da, da. It doesn't say on here what he did. Well, you should be able to find it. Uh, Steve Fletcher is an accomplished technology professional, researcher, and community organizer with a strong reputation for bringing people together to solve problems and get things mm. done. And well, entrepreneur- you have it, Steve. An entrepreneur by nature, Steve started his first business, a small video production company in the warehouse district back in 1995. That tiny office marked the beginning of Steve's decades-long investment in the community of Ward 3. Yeah, great. Good for you, pal. Yep. You're a moron. But he has strong uh, social justice values. He has built a life and career grounded in a deep commitment to racial and economic justice. Social justice is a euphemism for let's victimize everybody we can find. Yep. Yep. That's what social justice is. It's a euphemism. It means nothing. How about just justice? Forget the social part. And uh, Steve, once again, uh, God forbid you ever get carjacked, that's, uh, that's not going to be the fault of the police. That's going to be a fault of the people you think are victimized by life's unfairness. You idiot. Well, and to tie these two subjects together, you can't tell me that the Pioneer Press issuing a story saying thir- uh, St. Paul High School students are failing 39% of their classes and the rise in crime, you, you can't tell me they don't have anything to do with one another. Because idle time, what is it? Idle time is the devil's... Is the devil's workshop. Yes. Bert writes, just wanted to uh, just watch your local KSTP news regarding the story we've just been talking about. Jay Coles had it last night. Let's meaning the uh, cops need the cops want more cops, and the city council says that doesn't work. Let's see if I can simplify this by using symbolism. The city is an automobile. The city council okay. is the driver. The okay. chief of police is the mechanic for the automobile. Right. The driver, distracted, crashes the automobile. With a straight face, the driver blames the mechanic. Wow. It's a perfect analysis. Perfect analysis. Once more, the city is an automobile. The city council is the driver. The chief of police is the mechanic for the automobile. The driver, the city, distracted, crashes the automobile. With a straight face, the driver, the city, blames the mechanic, the police chief. This council has no accountability responsibility, and at long last, no shame, signed Bert. And he's absolutely And the mayor is in the trunk saying, I'm stuck in (laughs) handcuffs. Right. Yeah, you won't let me out. See, what I was looking for, Kenny, was Denny Green saying it's Dante's job to drive the car. That's what I was looking for. (laughs) Uh, Portland City Commissioner, who wants to defund the police, called the police on a Lyft driver. A Portland Lyft City, driver? Portland City Commissioner Joanne Hardesty, who has pushed for what? police budget cuts, called 911 after a Lyft driver canceled her ride and asked her to get out of his car. Lyft driver, <laughs> Lyft driver Richmond Frost told two Portland Police Department officers who responded to the scene on November 1st that Hardesty became irate 
when he when he refused to roll the windows up, according to a dispatch report. Frost pulled into a Chevron gas station, canceled the ride, and apparently asked her to leave the vehicle. Hardesty allegedly said she refused to exit the vehicle because it was cold and she was a woman and alone. So she called the police, whom she wants to defund. She called 911 telling the operator, well, I've got a Lyft driver who decided he would just drop me off at a filling station. Well, I'm not getting out of the car in the dark at a filling station. Not happening. All because I asked him to put the window up. I'm not leaving. I'm not going to allow him to leave me on the side of the road. I paid for a ride and he says he canceled it. So I'm just going to sit here until he sends me another ride. The dispatcher explained that it's Frost property. No crimes were committed and only she can order another lift. Officers were sent to the scene. Lyft currently recommends that drivers keep windows down while a passenger is in the car to ensure air circulation and mitigate the spread of the coronavirus. After Hardesty called 911, the Lyft driver made his own 911 call. I've got a customer that I canceled the ride. I'm a rideshare driver, and I canceled the ride, and I've taken her off the freeway to this filling station so she can order another ride, Frost told the 911 operator. I canceled the ride so she's no longer involved or engaged with me. She's refusing to get out of my car. Hardesty, who oversees the Bureau of Emergency Management, which includes the city's 911 system, did not respond to multiple requests for comment. Uh, I don't call 911 lightly, but I'm certainly not going to do anything that would put my personal safety at risk, Hardesty told the newspaper. It's a lot harder. It's a lot harder when you are black or brown in America to make that decision. Oh, Uh, blow it out, your fat. Here we go. Uh, the city council uh, did, uh, okay, she's been pushing for a budget amendment that would reallocate $18 million from the Portland Police Bureau to reinvest in the community, COVID-19 relief, and police alternatives. The closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, you will find you are governed by members of the salon who have demonized police in this country. Please tell me she was forcibly removed. Uh, no, she wasn't. Nothing would be better than having her handcuffed and hauled out of that car and and, uh, arrested for trespassing. She is just yet another hypocrite, just as Steve Fletcher would be the minute he needs to call 911. Did she actually say, I I don't call 911 lightly or frivolously? Right, Right. yeah, because I'm black and brown. That's exactly what she did. Yeah. Yeah, she called 911 over a very minor situation. <laughs> what an idiot. Honest to God, people. You know what I was thinking of when you were reading that story, Joe, is the huh? uh, the woman from, help me with the state, but remember she got caught up in a protest with her baby in the car seat in the back, and oh, yeah. she called 911, and they said, sorry, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. And I just yeah. thought, and that was a directive from that city council, correct? Yeah. We're gonna let them march. Don't uh, don't get in the way. Yeah, don't run anybody over. Don't, I just thought, wow, everything is so backwards. You know, we mentioned before you could have a pretty cheap wedding right now. Just get everybody a Spencer Grunhofer's meatloaf. Yep. Because you're only limited to 25 people. Uh, that would be fantastic to get a meatloaf <laughs> from Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, right on Highway 61. And right now, <laughs> a meatloaf on every plate. Yes. <laughs> right now, you can also uh, get your free-range fresh 
turkeys at two ninety nine a pound, and you may call in your order if you choose. 651-426-2800. This will be the best turkey you've ever had for Thanksgiving. and uh, But you'll still have to go pick it up. And once you're there, you will succumb to the temptations. You will melt in anticipation of what awaits you in this glorious emporium of meat. Brats, thick-cut bacon, double-smoked ham. Rookie burgers. Rookie burgers, Philly patties, brats, salmon, jerky, seasonings, meatloaf. Are we under a meatloaf warning or just a watch nope, continues? No, well, the watch continues. The watch the continues. The watch continues. It's only a warning if you're setting off in that direction. Yeah, if I plan on making a run within the next five to seven days. That's the warning. Yep. This is just some of the best. Well, it's not some of the best. This is the best uh, meat you'll ever find uh, in the area. GLers have made this one of their most pleasant discoveries over the last two years. And right now, if you want that free-range turkey, guaranteed you get one, uh, call 651-426-2800. This is Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. It's on Highway 61, where else? Right on the north end of downtown Hugo. Don't you just love the fall in Minnesota? This is the time of year that people are supposed to be done picking apples and making apple crisp and apple pie and caramelizing apples. All those delicious things to eat. In Minnesota, you can be picking apples one day and shoveling snow the next. So what do apples and insurance have in common? When it comes to getting an insurance quote, many people want an apples to apples comparison. The Canopy Group can't do that. Here's why. The Canopy Group believes clients deserve only the best insurance insurance coverage for the best price. That's why they only offer combined single limit coverage. It's the best. Most captive carriers only offer split limit coverage. This type of coverage leaves you open to gaps at claiming time. That doesn't sound good, does it? It's not good for you. The Canopy Group is often able to increase coverage from split limit to combined single limit and save clients money in the process. If you want an apples to apples comparison, be prepared. The Canopy Group's apples are much bigger and better than the competition. To make sure you're getting the best insurance, call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. Okay. Don't make me. I don't make me. Don't make me. If he's here, jump up and down. Pogo. You cannot stop it. You just make a move. Joe Suchere. We have proven that you, Joe Suchere, know, you know, you done know everything there is to know about the American Institute of Non-Destructive Testing, A-I-N-D-T. Last week we broke it down for everybody, Uh, but I don't think Reavers was paying attention. So, Chris, it is test time, and by the way... All the answers to this quiz are at trainingndt.com. Question one, Chris. Yep. What do NDT techs do? They, uh, well, see, what they do is uh, they'll get in their car <laughs> and on, then they'll drive to a site <laughs> and then they'll give this it a good like glance. This is like rookie answering. And uh, they'll say, that thing needs okay. to get fixed and hammer that guy in and uh, make sure we can drive over it. Uh, well, I'm not going to accept that. So okay. you've got one wrong. NDT techs, they perform tests to locate the indicators and discontinuities that may cause failures. They, they check it out. They see uh, if it's been 
worn out, fatigued, corrosion, stress, and other things that uh, affect the reliability. Number two, Chris, and you have to get this right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What does non-destructive mean? Uh, they don't blow it up. They 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 want to test it with you know infra infrastructural uh, lasers and whatnot. That kind of deal. Eh, I'll accept that. Who does it? Uh, the guys after they go their six months of training at the hotel and they right. stay there. You got and it and, right. Yeah, yeah, you do. We do. I'm going to. I swear to God, I'm going to be doing this the first of the year. Joe's watching golf. No, it's another across the water shot. Uh, endorsed by NDT. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> NDT Techs, uh, they attend a six-month online course followed by three weeks in their facility in Baxter. Please turn that off, Joe. Please. I'm trying to, and the mouse won't work. Damn it. I, I don't know what to do. I don't like know what I to do. Uh, uh, Can you turn got the it. volume down? Got it. Got it. Like we said last week, uh, and like Chris just answered, six months online course, then three weeks in their facility in Baxter, training, or housed, excuse me, in a hotel. Uh, and the first thing I did when I went to that website, NDT.com, is I just I skipped everything, went right to jobs. Guess what? Jobs are there. They're waiting for you. Most of them want you right out of school, so much so that companies actually fly into the school during that three-week final training uh, period to interview and hire the graduates. They also do training for Lockheed Martin, Blue Origin, that's Bezos' deal, the Air Force, Northrop Grumman, and plenty, plenty more, including some airlines. We actually received an email last week, didn't we, Joe, from a guy that works in the industry and said, yep, yep. sure enough, uh, yep. the guys go there. Yep. 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 Uh, yep. Student loans available with no payments until 90 days after graduation for those that qualify. Two things you need to remember. The best job you've ever had and trainingndt.com. Get to that website and find the new you, trainingndt.com. Thanks for sabotaging me. I appreciate that. That was awesome. Have you ever read a book called Hillbilly Elegy? I have mentioned it on the show, and I recommended it on the show probably about a year ago. It's in uh, Author's Corner at GarageLogic.com. Mm -hmm. I have uh, not, but I've read about it, and now I'm reading about the controversial uh, movie. It's a bestseller. It's written by J.D. Vance, and it's a story of an impoverished family that uh, dysfunctional as hell that grew up in the holler in Kentucky. They called those hollows hollers. And uh, this J.D. Vance, he, uh, <laughs> the holler. We call manure, manure. <laughs> right. And he made it in life. He, he got out, and he... Uh, uh, made it all the way to one of the Ivy League schools and became a lawyer. And and uh, his grandmother was very central to his success. His mother was addled with addiction. And it was just a very troubled, troubled family. But it was the story of this fellow J.D. Vance's triumph. And now Ron Howard has made a film called Hillbilly Elegy. And none other than Glenn Close, for God's sakes, plays the grandmother. Who's, who's a central character in the book. And I, for some reason, this caught my eye today that uh, film reviewers are just shredding this. Why? They're, they're yeah. just tearing Ron Howard from end to end, saying this is the worst film he's ever made in his life. Uh, 
the reviews currently give Hillbilly Elegy a 20% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 41 on Metacritic. The film follows J.D. Vance, Gabriel Basso, a former Marine from Southern Ohio and current Yale Law student who was on the verge of landing his dream job when a family crisis forces him to return to the home he's tried to forget. J.D. must navigate the complex dynamics of his Appalachian family, including his volatile relationship with his mother, Bev, played by Amy Adams, who's struggling with addiction. Fueled by memories of his grandmother, Mama, Glenn Close, the resilient and whip-smart woman who raised him, J.D. comes to embrace his family's indelible imprint on his own personal uh, journey. I'm reading this from a, a website called The Rap, which apparently follows uh, the entertainment industry. And then it goes on to say, uh, Ron Howard, with the subtlety of a sledgehammer, Elegy isn't the worst motion picture of the year, but it is the most shameless, a naked play for awards and prestige that doesn't even have the courage of its sketchy source materials convictions. Uh, Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy is a bad film, inert and cliched and largely devoid of cinematic imagination. Uh, this this is prestige bait that uses an awfully rusty lure tossed with careless pride from its ship of Hollywood fools, and it just it's just it's just endless. It it says uh, directed by Ron Howard and denuded of any meaningful politics to speak of. Hillbilly yeah. Elegy is an extended Oscar clip montage in search of a larger purpose, an unwieldy slop bucket of door smashing, child slapping, <laughs> husband immolating, histrionics. Everything about Netflix wow. Hillbilly Elegy movie is awful. On and on and on and on. And I have a theory. Okay. First of all, first of all, it wasn't a political statement when J.D. Vance wrote this. It had nothing to do no. with politics. No. I have a theory. Uh, I don't know if this will ever even become a national conversation or even if it should. And, and I have to be careful of what I say because I have not seen the film, but I've read the book. And I have a prediction that, that Ron Howard is found has been found to not be woke enough. Right, he's not part of the club. This isn't a book about a young black man who rises above his surroundings and becomes successful. This is purely a bunch of white hillbillies and their struggle to fit into society. And that's one thing J.D. Vance pointed out in the book. You know, the country's got us pretty much convinced that only black people suffer that only black people have hardship, that only black people have trouble achieving in life. And he said, here's my life. Here's what it was like. And none of us would want it. None of us, would, no black person would want his life. It was hard scrabble. It was destitution. It was poverty. It was dysfunction. It was, it was think, everything that, that, go ahead. I think they're eating their own, Joe. I don't think it's Ron Howard's politics because he is an admitted liberal. Um, I, I think it's he's just a, a convenient target at this at, at this stage because this one review and you didn't read this but this one review says it all. It isn't interested in the systems that create poverty and addiction and ignorance. It just wants to pretend that one straight white guy's ability to rise above his surroundings means there's no excuse for everyone else not to have done so as well. BS. If anything, that's a criticism of the author and the book. Right. And it sounds like Ron was pretty true to the book. Yeah. Well, just, uh, again, uh, I could be making too much of this. This could could very well be a lousy film, although Ron Howard does not make 
lousy films. No, he's a great director. He's a great director, thinking that he's, he was once Opie. Remember that? He was once yes, Opie. He was. Yeah. And the but time I, that he, uh, he's, that he uh, hosted... Also Richie, Richie Cunningham. Richie Cunningham. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. The time that he hosted on Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy called him Opie Cunningham. Opie Cunningham. <laughs> One of the greatest skits ever. Well, I, I just... I think... the, the vibe I got from reading this, the vibe I got from reading this instantly occurred to me, and that is, you know what? Ron Howard's in trouble because he told the story of white impoverishment. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah. I think that's it. I think that's what it boils down to. Yes, that's it exactly. And, and then and they I, go on to praise Amy Adams and Glenn Close, but they just scorch Ronnie. <laughs> it's a it's a hell of a book. I liked it. It's called Hillbilly Elegy, J.D. Vance, and it's just a, a one hell of a memoir of how this guy survived uh, an impossible upbringing impossible it's got to be fun to write some of these joe like you read uh an unwieldy slop bucket of of door slamming child slapping and husband emoliating astronics that's just wonderful that had to be fun to write that sentence (laughs) but that's what his life was like you know yeah yeah uh, it was awful awful what he did with his modest fortune that he made from the book vance is he returned to the holler and he bought all that land and oh. uh, to create uh, better lives for his people and relatives and what have you uh, it was just it's just interesting i just again i brought it up i i should i i'm limiting myself into what i'm saying because i haven't seen the film but i read the book and i just sense that this this didn't meet hollywood's mysterian standards it didn't right. meet its leftist standards right they would have preferred him to rewrite it and the characters be black right yeah. and Hopefully, woman and lesbian and trans. Yeah, exactly. So they want to fit it. all. They want to check all the boxes. Yeah. It can't just stand on its own for what it is. It's got to well, be it, transformed. It, it, it must be mentioned, even though it's been mentioned before. Excuse me. You, you okay? Royce like gas attack. Did you get it on yourself? Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. I apologize. Only because they come to us all the way from Mumbai, India, from Tom Lyman. It's on this date in Minnesota history, November 11th, and it was, of course, of course, it was on this day in 1940, the Armistice Day blizzard strikes, trapping hunters at lakes and drivers on roads. 49 people died when temperatures suddenly dropped from the 60s to below zero. Pilot Max Conrad of Winona earns Hero honors for taking his Piper Cub up into 50-mile-per-hour winds to drop supplies and lead rescuers to trap hunters. Now, that's a part of the story I didn't know. Wow. No, I had not heard that. Uh, And Mary Devine has been tweeting a great story that appeared a few years ago on TwinCities.com about uh, uh, memories of the Armistice Day blizzard. Very famous in Minnesota. Hmm. 1940, on this day, uh, it started off beautiful and became... Uh, became treacherous. So you had mm-hmm. on Monday, yep, six, seven, eight, the ninth. Yep, we learned of the great storm of nineteen thirteen. That's right. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, yesterday, the tenth was the uh, the, the breakup and disappear of the Edmund Fitzgerald and the loss of twenty nine sailors. And on this day in 1940, it was the Armistice Day blizzard. So what I think we could deduce from that is 9, 10, and 11 of November can be something you want. It might want to keep your eye on the yeah, sky. Yeah, yeah, maybe but watch a forecast. Did you, 
Yeah. Did you happen to see Wurzer's tweet? I was yesterday? just going to bring this up. Thank you, Kenny. Yes. Wurz said uh, that the Arthur M. Anderson was following the Fitz that yes, fateful night. It was. Yesterday morning, the Arthur M. Anderson had to make two runs to get into the Duluth Harbor on the anniversary of that date. The winds were so uh, great yesterday that uh, he had to cancel. You know, it's like dri- like what do you say about driving a pontoon? You just you, you really don't drive a pontoon. No, you try to just- land it. <laughs> yes, and and like many of us have, you know, you start approaching that lift and you go, no, 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 no start over, full, start over, full reverse, full reverse, and evidently that's what the uh, Anderson had to do yesterday. Well, there were gale warnings on the lake yesterday. Yeah, on Lake Superior, there's a boat sitting. A boat, a ship. There's a a, a hauler sitting uh, in, outside of the harbor right now. I was looking at the camera earlier. Lovely day up there today. But so the lake's not rough today. Didn't look like it. Hmm. Uh, we well, should also probably mention really quick. This is just breaking that the state of Georgia, Joe, is set to recount all votes in the presidential race by hand. Really? There you go. There you go. What's that going to take? A month? I can't imagine that can be done very quickly. Mm-hmm. All 159 counties in the state of Georgia. Oh my God! I think that's just the beginning, don't you? Uh, I do. Uh, well, this is going to be quite the shock to the system uh, in America if if Trump overturns Biden's election. Can you oh even imagine? Oh it's going to be quite I'm not leaving my house. I'm going to tell oh you that boy. right now. <laughs> Say, yeah. um, I've uh, got a personal question for you, Such, and I don't know if I should even bring it up while we're taping. Um, well, then don't. I don't well, trust you. <laughs> what Have you ever made joint purchases with a friend? Because I'm wondering if you'll throw in with me and uh, if we could buy... Maybe a six pack of uh, Chill Boys. Oh, I like would that you, idea. Would you I would be do down that. With that. I, I could okay. do that. I could because I'm right. down a pair. I need a. Uh, I need yeah. a pair. As as am I. And not yeah. only, and, uh, fellas, can you do that? But if you go with the three pack, uh, you're going to get a heck of a deal. I think I have a new favorite pair. By the way, I was always the um, the performance bamboo boxer brief guy. Yeah. I'm soft bamboo boxer guy now. Now that it's getting a little bit cooler, they're perfect. To sleep in. They're the perfect sleepers. Are they the ones that go down to your knees? No, well, yes. The the black ones that go all the way down to your knees. Those are my favorite pair now. And you can find those at chillboys.com. Thank you very much, Kenny Olson. This is the best part about placing your order. Fast and free shipping on all orders that are over $40 throughout the entire country. That's right. You heard me. Doesn't wow. matter if you're in Duluth. Doesn't matter if you're in Delaware. Doesn't matter if you're in Dallas. You're going to get that fast and free on all orders over $40 just by ordering online at chillboys.com. See their entire selection of performance boxers, bamboo boxers, boxer briefs, T-shirts, sunglasses, so much more. Also, please, when you place your order, let them know. It's Julie specifically. Let her know that you heard about them right here on the Garage Logic Podcast. We need a, a space management discussion. Oh, oh! Uh, let me look at the uh, forecast coming I up. Took care of mine this morning. Well, I have it, and I. What you guys uh, I know get I'm, about six inches? I got at least four and a half here. Yeah, I got about the same. Right. Right. St. Paul right now is thirty-four degrees, uh, with a high of thirty-seven expected today. But Saturday forty-two yep. and Sunday thirty-nine. 
Now, am I setting a bad example for the young people of Gumption County if I wait yes. for the sun to take care of this? Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. That's only allowed in April. I will say this. Oh, drive- no, Kenny, you're wrong. It's a, we, we allowed it two weeks ago. We let the sun take care well, of it. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, yeah. Yeah, when you get a snow in October, absolutely. Yeah. I know October, the roads were a disaster this morning, but driving in around 945 to get here, uh, most of the roads were clear. Yeah, but there was ice. There was hidden That's ice true. Yeah, there was there, there was a little bit of hidden ice. Not that I was paying attention. <laughs> but this is this is not fun snow to snow blow. No. Uh, it's got the icy undertones. The roads are already shot for the year. You're just going to have the rutted icy roads again all year uh, because the plows didn't get out and get rid of that stuff. So I'm betting on the sun on this one. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to oh, bet on the sun. Huge. Oh, yeah. You yep. are, you know, you're slipping further and further away from the loving arms, the community of Garage Logic every single Wait day. a minute. No, 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 no. Well, when you put it that way, I better get out there. Wait a minute. No, I have an even better idea. Because uh, you need something to do anyway, since we started a little bit earlier. Yeah. Head over to Frat. Yep. Get some, get some salt. Yeah, I do have to get some salt. Just put that out in the driveway. That'll take care of it. Oh, man, that's a lot of salt. Eh, come on. Hey, let me ask you something there, Limpy. Uh, yeah. Do you have one of those er- ergonomically correct shovels, the one with the bend in the handle? I've tried those, and I'm not a fan. Yeah, I don't like them either. I'm not oh. a fan. Oh, I think Frat sells them anyway. Well, I got a great big scraper from Frats that I've been using for three years. <laughs> the extra wide, so you can get some more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. there yeah. we go. <laughs> All right. Damn it, Kenny has so shamed me that I, I have to <laughs> well, I have to now I mean, do this. You can do that in October and April, but come on, man. It's November. Especially it, it's, after hearing Nigerian talking about firing up his John Deere just because he wanted yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, but he had a plow, man. He had he had space to do. I don't you know, mine's not that big. I guess I'm really talking myself into it now. Tell you what, hey, G- any GLer out there that wants to head over to the mayor's house? No, that's uh, fine, Kenny. Or what's your name, Reavers? <laughs> no, you're over that's there on Main. Street. You're over there on Main, right? One, two, three, Main. <laughs> well, thanks to Pete Nigerian for joining us today. That was pleasant. Man, was that great! Yeah. The day he announces is the day I quit GL and go to work for that. <laughs> that's right. I don't blame you. Hey, uh, don't forget about our friends over at PodMN. Download that app and rate and review it in both the Google and Apple stores. PodMN will notify you instantly when the Garage Logic podcast episode of that particular day becomes available. It's a great tool and a great function. PodMN, listen local. Hey, we'll catch you right here tomorrow on the GL Podcast. <laughs>